In, in one in one way like I feel like if I wasn't a podcaster I would be a YouTuber but I would want to like do YouTube videos on like the most mundane like the most like mundane shit in the world so like I don't know just a, how a to re- polish your shoes how to polish well also just like the kind of the history of screws just like various <laughs> different kinds of screws um, but you hello do it, and but welcome you- to this video on the history of screws today the yeah. tungsten screw but you do it to like you do it to lo-fi hip-hop and trap beats behind like yeah. you go around B&Q with like a skateboard so like a Ni- Casey Neistat video until like you get arrested because it's like it's, it's Britain <laughs> and like British people don't like YouTubers in any way or form mm-hmm. um, I remember like when I was in New York earlier like the one thing that i noticed was just how youtuber was considered to be a job like so i went to yeah. casey neistat's i went casey neistat was throwing a party and i went down there and there were a bunch of these like obviously aspiring youtubers mm. and they would you know they'd be like yo man what do you do i was like well i'm here to like work on a book how about you say like, yeah i'm a youtuber i'm still trying to work out my voice but i'm not really sure what it is but you know i just you know do my thing i'm kind of just standing there just like I, you know, it's just such a bizarre thing. So anyway, yeah. we have an expert in today. This is definitely like not a Riley intro. So we should yeah. really intro ourselves first, right? This is, yeah, I mean, that, I thought that was kind of a cold open, but now it's like slidden into an episode. No, Look. it was good. That's a good intro, actually, yeah. Hussein. So yeah. yes, so, so, of so course, it's Trash me, Future. Hussein Kizvani. This is Trash Future, the show about why the future is trash. I'm not doing any sort of addendum to that, no, no. matter how many guns are put into my head. Absolutely not. Um, the future is trash. It's always going to be. In yeah. fact... Even if communism happens, I'm not actually sure whether the future is going to be better. But no. maybe controversial take there. Welcome yeah, to the spectators. Maybe show. it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Hussein Kazvani. Uh, I am a, usually a side host who kind of just like jumps in every so often to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh Dragon decks. Our side but host. I can't do that now um, because they threaten to like beat me off the show and like steal my wife and her boyfriend, who are both my best friends. Mm. Um, and who are we? Who's here? Who's here? Uh, hello, it's uh, it's me, your boy, Marla Webbers, <laughs> out from out from under the thumb of our hairy son Riley Quinn for an episode. <laughs> what kind of what kind of loose shit will I be saying? What what racial slurs will <laughs> will come out on this episode? We can only we can only wait and see. But I, I'm here for the whole ride, gentlemen. You also have me, Nate, the producer, uh, here to make my own job as hard as possible by putting as much libel as I can while Riley is not here, (laughs) that I will then have to edit somehow, but I will save and share on the Discord, so you should definitely sign up for Patreon. (laughs) I'm I'm plugging it now and not at the end, and that way you can hear all of the little tidbits of of libel Mm. and Riley's random bits of horniness that we have to cut out for the main episode. The key to doing libel, right, is to do the libel but in Arabic, because that Mm. way if people try to call you up on it, you you can call them out for racism. Yeah, well, we're actually. Call, I, was, spend... I thought you were going to joke that if if they call you out on, you can be like, oh, you speak Arabic and call prevent. But I mean, that might be an even meaner yeah, joke. It's it, it cuts way too close to the bone. That's all I'm yeah. saying. We're actually just going to spend the whole episode libeling Riley because he can't <laughs> he can't sue his own podcast. For example, Riley has a whole cellar full of Nazi gold. <laughs> Prove me and wrong. We have a guest who's written a book who's smart, but we're going to make him talk about dumb things. And that guest is Chris Stokel Walker. I yeah I know Hussein vaguely and dragged him into this and made him do this and you guys are along for the ride so sorry. Okay. Oh, this is like where we think you we've dragged you here, but you've actually dragged us here. You're like <laughs> the Kaiser Soze of this podcast. Like, I, I mean, everything is under your control. Um, YouTubers uh, is a book. It's a hardback book. Very mm. good. You can like prop a screen on it. 
maybe yeah. prop a couple of cameras on it. You could do a line off it. I mean, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying you should, <laughs> but you could. You could do one or two lines off it. We really like doing book reviews where we like just review the book itself, but not the content. No, it's well, open yeah. it up. So I mean, um, this is this is great content you because it's yeah. very visual. With it. it looks it's like it's got enough weight yeah, behind you it. You can like put like a cheese board oh. on the pages. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you broke the spine. <laughs> That's the ultimate like Riley move. <laughs> did you just break the spine? You're a spine breaker. Spine? Oh my god! You just went. You just went like. That's how you're it. supposed to do. Is that not is that is not how, is that not how you're supposed to well, do it? This is this is the divide, isn't it, between you know humans and subhumans? Yeah, is... I've never read a book before. Mm. So Hussein <laughs> is just holding a book which is now in two pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Hussein's just used to opening books because the books are actually document protectors full of Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and so like <laughs> you want it to lie flat, and mm. you don't want it to be resting on the spine. Damn, a, a symbol of the decline of Western society. <laughs> Hussein Kazvani holding a book which he is he is like cleaving in two. Well, speaking of the decline of Western civilization, we have a very interesting guy yeah. who because like I wanted to I, did we do episode notes for this absolutely not but when I was coming in on the half hour train journey I was thinking that we were just going to talk about the book and kind of what's in it but mm-hmm. in the past couple of weeks something pretty interesting has happened where like the YouTube world has sort of collided with what we would call like the real life political world and it's come in the form of a five foot four fairly large guy from Swindon who doesn't know how to wear a suit properly, called Sargon of Akkad. I was like, wait, Riley? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's libel right there. <laughs> Riley's actually five foot two. It's just about like, yeah. he just wears big boots. Yeah, but his suits are great. <laughs> but yeah, his suits are very good. And he will never talk bad about it. But like, Sargon of Akkad, if you like Google any images of him wearing suits, like he just doesn't, he was like, I bought this really expensive suit. I think he said, I bought like a nice suit. But like, mm-hmm. he just doesn't know how to wear it. Like the tie is really like, ill-adjusted like the shoulders have a lot of you know um uh, yeah they're, they're like yeah. The, the, the drop isn't on the, the shoulder and like yeah. i could understand if he was a podcaster and he wasn't really earning that much money but he's mm-hmm. like one of the biggest youtubers in the world and now he um he's running for ukip mep yeah now that's not entirely unremarkable but as someone who knows more about the youtube space chris do you want to tell us why this is such a big deal because he's super racist is the short answer. Uh, no, he says a lot of slurs. Yeah, he's. I mean, so we are recording this the day after BuzzFeed have published a bunch of videos where he has basically used every single slur under the sun. Um, and is that pe- like every slur in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My challenge this week. Supercut of. That's every like a very slur. YouTuber thing. Though, he's doing it? all the voices as well, <laughs> like one of those impressions guys. You know. Yeah. No. So uh, in his weird tailored suit. Um. No. He. He he's standing basically to be an MEP, and um, people are shocked a by the fact that he is popular. Um, you know, he might actually win, given how much of a, a shit show the Dehont electoral system is. But let's not mm. go into that because that's that's a different podcast for a different time. I think. Um, but We're not the Romaniacs. No, God, no, no, no. Not, no. Um, but he is basically this person who has built up this massive audience and you have a bunch of mainstream commentators who are like omg who knew that there were racists on the internet and Mm. we seem to have this odd awakening of digital culture happening right now as you say a car crash and and nobody comes out so yeah i mean it's bizarre that people seem to think that this is new that that someone could say unpleasant things on the internet and that the alt-right doesn't work i think what's bizarre about this is like you know, for those of us who have grown up online, like racism was like the first thing that we tended to see. Like, mm. 
you know, we put you put your CompuServe page one of the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you put your, you put your CompuServe disk in back in like two thousand and something, two thousand and two and three, and like it's not that hard to find racism online, right? And like I think there was like no. that period of time when you go to racismhub.com and yeah, alt dot right dot. Well, like everyone, you know, you had the forums where you knew the racism was, and like I've spoken about this before. I you know was you know I posted a lot on like websites like Totsi, and I was like on Four Chan. Mm in like the late 2000s and those were like places where racism was but you knew you knew it was that yeah. it was all racism and raiding twilight message boards <laughs> <laughs> no those were like the two they were like the two warring sides it was very yeah. rare that like actually they came together back then now it's yeah, different yeah. i think you're just and- <laughs> constantly posting the n-word on a twilight message board <laughs> until it becomes unusual you know what? it's not actually that you know that's probably that that does exist i'm not even saying mm. that probably exists that definitely does exist yeah the, the wildest what, part yeah. about that is that there were twilight message boards <laughs> That's a bit like literally just a chat room for like the only thing we have in common is that we like Twilight. I guess 4chan yeah, is just like a, that, but for people who like it's racism. A, it's, it's a dope movie. What's, yeah. Twilight's fucking sick. What's the weirdest forum that you guys were ever on? So I, this is, I mean, this is turning into a confessional, but I mm. used to be involved in a thing called efedding. So I used to like okay. pro wrestling when I was a kid. Okay. Mm. And it's where you pretend to be a pro wrestler and you act out like pro wrestling via text on a forum it's horrible so you like to, it's like sexting but for wrestling yes exactly mine, mine was really embarrassing I pick you up sensually and slam you into the ring <laughs> mine was really embarrassing I was part of like a Tekken fandom like the Tekken oh, game yes. fandom <laughs> but those were so weird because like you would just read them because you were interested in like the kind of stories behind it but like after a while you found like the not suitable for work content and it was really weird because it was like it was like these really long essays in which like male characters just had sex with each other. Mm. Lots of it was incest related because Tekken is a game about families, right? So it's like <laughs> <laughs> the five families of the Tekken universe. <laughs> um, so it was, and the weirdest story that I read was like the story of, I, you know, this is, this is one for the real Tekken heads, mm-hmm. but like one of the key, the main characters, Jin Kazama having, um, having a very weird relation uh, weird sexual experience with um ogre who's mm. an ogre yeah. um very weird i don't like talking about it much he's an uh, ogre <laughs> has it come up in therapy maybe once or twice who can say wow i i think i spent most of those like formative teenage years on the internet like uh, on myspace like hitting on emo girls i think that was like unsuccessfully i might add yeah um what was your what was your myspace name uh i don't think i had a name i think I think it was just like my name. It's like uh, it was something like my. What was it? It's like oh, there was this guy that I knew who like was this really big MySpace person who called himself like Connor Corpse, and he was like really uh, huge, but only in like an area of Southeast London. Nice. I was briefly the drummer in a terrible band that what? we had in MySpace, Damn. and the band was called Prism. Yes, that's right, <laughs> folks. <laughs> so bad, so terrible. And one of those guys went on to become Diplo. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I actually never. I don't. I don't really think I had a weird forum. I mean, trying to flash back to it, like, so I was on AOL chat rooms because I'm I'm 34, and when I first got on the internet, it was all through AOL. So, um, like, you know, posting on like the Nintendo chat rooms, and people would like flame each other from like the Sega chat rooms and things like that. But uh, the thing that I remember the most was I joined the Something Awful forums when I was probably like 16. Uh, so this would have been like 0102, and um. <laughs> what I remember the most was they would periodically do like forum raids of just strange places they'd found online. And one of them was the, be- the best way I could describe it was it was 
a website forum for people that it struck me that it might have some overlap with like the pedophile universe, but it was specifically about people who were like, kids should be fat. It's bad to be thin. You should be fat. It was called kid. Oh, it's fat. like a grandma it, forum. It was called, it was called, <laughs> ki- it was called kidfat.org. And they had really <laughs> weird, they had really weird, what I might describe as sort of like MS Paint home done anime about like, it's cool to be fat. And it was really like body dysmorphic in like an enormous way. And I was just like, I don't know. Oh my God. And this is like, I feel like a human time capsule in a sense, because if you were to Google this, you would not find any of it. Like, it doesn't exist anymore. But I, I'm telling mm. you, it was called kidfat.org and it was real. And I was that's, just like, that's like the, the young person equivalent of like, in my day, this was all fields. It's like, <laughs> in my day, this was all weird kiddie porn forums. <laughs> So, I mean, obviously, like, the, the, the you know, awful forums, whenever they'd find something like that, what people would do is they would create, you know, create memberships on it and go and harass these people. Um, and the only other detail I can think of from that was that, like, like I said, the reason why I would say that there was, like, some overlap was because there would be some weird comments from members there that, like, outside of the posting about why children should be fat, it was also just sort of, like, weird comments about about boys. And one guy in particular was like, oh, it sucks. My car got broken into and someone stole stole 200 CDs out of my CD wall, like, my entire CD wall that was nothing but, like, boys' choir recordings. <laughs> and I just remember thinking about, like, holy fuck, imagine if you were the thief and you're like, sweet, I've got this 200 CD wallet. I can sell it and make money. And it's nothing but recordings and, of and boys. That, and, and I'm pretty sure the person who posted that was probably, like, someone who now writes with a spectator. Mm. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Love to write he's for like, the spectator. He's like still angry about his CDs. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Brendan O'Neill article forming in my mind. Of like, First they came for the kids should be fat website. <laughs> it's 1984. If you can't post about children being fat on the internet and that being the way it should be, what can you do anymore? What will you not be able to do next? Masturbate in the privacy of your own private primary school? (laughs) (laughs) That's why people open up private schools. That's exactly. my take. Um, That's why they call it a private well, school. Well, I guess I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would just say that I feel that, that it's weird because on one hand, I, as we were talking, I was pulling up one of my favorite accounts, which is Terrible YouTube um, Thumbnails. Oh, yes. And um, I, the, the, these obviously like the one I feel like the, the, the absolute champion is... Some of these are deeply cursed. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 is, is this one, for example. <laughs> <laughs> but but don't sleep on this one because some of these, like the, the ones... <laughs> I like this is so great friends. for our audio podcast. Yeah, so 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 effectively, uh, one this of is these a thumbnail that says, "Hi, I am Squidward. YouTube is so gay." Produced by Gay Squidward Productions. The other one is my first time jizzing, and I don't know what this character. Oh, it's like oh, is that cartoon? That my cousins watch it. No, that... it's not. It's um, it's actually a really good cartoon. It's not. What is it? Adventure Time? Is it? No, oh, no, no, no. It's something um, like that. It does look like a fifth generation Pokemon. Like when they got rid of like all the good ones, and then they suddenly got the shit ones. It's in. a really popular. Um, it's a really popular. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's one of like weird. Oh my god, that's a okay. legit one. Okay, these, so, these are all amazing. So, uh, you know, so you know how. So you know how we made that. You know. How, you know how we need to make one of these for the episode cover i think for this one yeah 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 I mean, um, i'll definitely i'll definitely take one of these yeah. and make it the we just have a cover. picture of chris like with his arms folded <laughs> and like some words that just says jizzing question like a pen and pixel but with jizzing <laughs> yes Let, let's uh, let's talk about um youtubers because that is what we're here for mm. um but in some ways it's related because i feel like there was this time when you know, you knew that like racism has always existed on the internet and it's always existed everywhere. But like the places where it was kind of concentrated, you sort of knew where they were. So like, mm. I remember being told back in the mid 2000s, like if you go on 4chan, like expect racism, expect N-words, expect anti-Semitism, but it's going to be confined in that space. Like you're not going to find it on 
like mainstream news websites. You're not going to find it on like these other compartmentalized areas of the internet. With YouTube, because it's encaptured so much, it sort of like feels like the inevitable happen, which is that a lot of that stuff that was once confined to corners of the internet have now moved onto this platform, which is designed for everyone to use. And there's so much content mm. that everyone uses it in some way or another, which means that you're kind of exposed to it. With someone like Carl, like, you know, Sargon, he's like built this whole platform based on that, like just by like bringing together lots of communities because mm-hmm. this was a guy who made his name on Gamergate as a Gamergate guy, but developed over time to be like, okay, well, I'm not just like talking to gamers anymore. Like there's this kind of big culture war going on. Mm -hmm. So I sort of wanted to ask you about like in the course of, you know, YouTube is where so much of this culture war stuff is formed and it's kind of discussed and it develops and evolves. And like during your time researching this book, like how did that play out in the course of like all the stories that you were? I mean, my recommendations is is shot now mm-hmm. because you know everything just spirals into a super racist alt-right black hole yeah. um but no, i mean it, it's interesting because it, it basically it throws up a mirror to society right i mean you know 1.9 billion monthly users is mm. essentially the entirety of the population that has an internet connection and so yeah you're bound to get these weird pockets of things that we think are relatively unpalatable but as you say you're saying it's like you know, that was once just in a corner of the internet that you could kind of ignore and it could fester away. Whereas as now this is the mainstream media and it kind of gets amplified because if you have a really dedicated group of individuals focused on a really niche area, that's precisely what YouTube loves. Like your screw enthusiasm channel is is mm-hmm. literally exists. Like there's a guy in the book who I absolutely love. He's just this weird scouse guy who posts under the name of Moorsy Scratch Cards. And all he mm-hmm. does is he buys like four hundred quids worth of lottery scratch cards every day mm-hmm. and just scratches off the foil on them and sees what he wins. And people watch that like tens of thousands of people. So any weird kink Jesus. or any niche there is something yeah. for that. And That's a very easy YouTube channel to make. Yeah. Like, maybe I should be a YouTuber. Sure. I mean, the key, the key to like being a YouTube person or like to make a channel that grows is like to be as niche as possible, right? In mm. some degree, like, because it is designed, you know, you can kind of target very specific fandoms, um, which is kind of what, you know, everyone starts off that way. Like Carl mm-hmm. kind of started off that way, right? Which was like, well, gamers. And at the time back in like, what, 2013, 14, mm. you know, there are lots of gamers, but like, they're still this kind of obscure group of people. No one really knows who they are. Mm-hmm. They're kind of just like considered to be like in their, you know, mid twenties, thirties, forties guys who are like losers and like, you know, just play video games and get angry. And then when Gamergate happens We discovered that that was completely true. <laughs> yeah. Well we discovered <laughs> Well. Um but also just like I feel like there is this thing about lots of people dismissed Gamergate initially. It was just like, oh, these are just like nerds railing about, you know, ethics and games journalism, like whatever. And no one sort of realized that actually this was like encapturing so many different things because this is a generation of people who like literally live online. Like so mm-hmm. much of their identities are literally formed online. So how they express it and how they distribute those messages on YouTube are not just going to be about I am specifically angry at this gaming issue. It's like I'm mm-hmm. angry at so many things. And if you're part of that big Venn diagram, then you definitely you know, we should be like buddies or something yeah. and, and there's a weird sort of um there's a way of getting around it that they always seem to decide that they're gonna they're gonna use to try and defend themselves which is kind of like the pewdiepie case where like you know you either sit on one side where you think pewdiepie is just talking in sort of the language of 
for Chad and things like that, or you think that he is actually a problematic character, and and it kind of depends on how old you are and what your upbringing is as to whether or not yeah. you think you sit on one side or the other. Do you think like this is like with, when we're looking at Carl, like how does the age demographic play there? Because obviously the thing that has come up recently is the fact that there are be videos of him emerging with the comments about Jess Phillips about I wouldn't even you know I wouldn't even rape you parody. Or, Hmm? parody yeah or like even with the mm. n-word where his kind of defense is like, i used the n-word because i wanted to use the alt-right's language against them which like even when you explain it and i calling I've the alt-right the n-word <laughs> like galaxy brain they, right? they're it never prepared for that it, one it, no. it, it literally is like the biggest galaxy brain is like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go to these guys who are obsessed with using the n-word and use the n-word at them because mm. i'm really smart but it's that idea that everything is irony now, isn't it? Right. Is is like you know the we had that entire shit fit in the media after the Christchurch shooting mm. where people did not know how to deal with his manifesto because if you are of a certain age and if you know about this, then you see the in jokes for what they are and they're relatively harmless. But if you don't, then you you think that it's completely batshit insane. And you know, yes, it is, but in in a different way than we think. So like, there's this real interesting generational divide and it's kind of something i think that you're probably getting into in your book as well like this idea of digital culture is its own little world but it is increasingly becoming mainstream and as such we kind of need to pay more attention to it but yeah Yeah. everybody listening to this podcast knows that because you know we've all been broken by the internet yeah god oh man some things i've seen i mean i think we're all waiting for the terrorism act which inevitably ends with someone shouting um subscribe to (laughs) 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 kidfat.com that got dark really quickly oh Um, jesus yeah i mean i don't know because like obviously you know there's this when i look at youtube like one thing that i notice is that different people use it and so like different people define youtube in different ways so like Mm. Young parents, for example, are increasingly using YouTube to like basically give their kids entertainment. And there was that story that James Bridal had done about how all this kind of really weird and bizarre and quite nasty stuff was being spliced into kids' entertainment. Mm. And because of the YouTube algorithm, like there was it was really difficult to detect this stuff. Yeah. My child was watching this harmless Peppa Pig video and there was a 10 second segment of the spectator podcast, didn't there? <laughs> <laughs> to- Toby Young was on the picture of a giant yeah. spot like was on the on the body of a giant spider. With really clippy um, audio. But then so, but they, so they do that and then you have yeah. like you do the Sargon fans who will inhabit their own weird universe then you have like 50 yeah. year old men who use it for like how do I put up my Ikea shelves and then you have teenage kids who are like I want to look beautiful and Zoella can mm. tell me how to look beautiful so Sargon of a CAD makeup tutorial video oh my god that oh, would be like yeah. the ultimate crossover <laughs> the most ambitious that crossover. is how he pushes into the mainstream isn't it so he yeah, becomes yeah. an MEP he spends all of his MEP money on high end makeup yeah. And the weird halo light that you get. And somehow yeah. he keeps painting himself as the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when it keeps happening. Um, I don't know what he looks like, so I just imagine him as like Sauron, like a big eye <laughs> on top of a tower. Well, we haven't really talked about his name, but it's like Sargon, Sargon of Akkad was like a Mesopotamian king, right? Mm. Or something like that. And it just, it's just so funny because like Carl Benjamin is this, this guy from Swindon. He lives in like the suburbs of like one of the worst places in the south of England. Um, I love that there's a YouTube video that Nate's just brought up called Chit Chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Like the most cursed chat show yeah. of all time. 
Um, it's just, it's just very funny that like, and also really kind of bizarre that this guy from like one of the most derelict parts of South London or like yeah. sort of the South of England, like has somehow basically started a culture war. But that's the beauty of YouTube, right? Mm. Is that anybody can do anything. And if, even if you have the most unpalatable views yeah. known to man, you can still find an audience. But here's, here's the thing that I guess a lot of our listeners will kind of think, but something that I think about too, which is that. On the one hand, YouTube kind of presents itself as being this like democratic space where like anyone can say anything they want. Mm. But I as don't... long as it's not not the N word, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> that. Like, but the stuff that like gets recommended, the stuff that like shows seems to be showing up in everyone's mm. like recommended pages or suggested pages are videos of the same guys who are really making the same arguments, right? The whole like the same like anti-identity politics, but the N word is fine. Um, you know, everyone's individuals, but also like you can't say white people because that's a slur. Yeah, um, I mean, YouTube has to support Le Pod de Trigger. Uh... <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, and like even that, right? So like the recommended stuff tends to be the same regardless of like where you're going. And mm. so when we talk about like platforming, especially because like the the whole conversation around no platforming does focus a lot around YouTube, and YouTube sets itself out and still kind of says that with this open space for anyone, anyone can upload a video. Anyone can say what they want as long as they don't like break our community guidelines. They're fine. So why why is it like this kind of video is the one that keeps getting recommended? I think it's because people know how to game the algorithm, and it, you know ultimately, in order to um, in order to win at the algorithm from what we know, and you know this is still a pretty opaque black box, but we do know that it prioritizes watch time. Yeah. And so, if you think about anything, like are you going to watch paint dry or are you going to watch like some cool person blow shit up? Like mm. you automatically tend towards the extreme with these things. And so, the more extreme paint like, drying, yeah, I mean, the paint drying channel. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's something for everyone on uh, YouTube. This week, the paint is uh, Dulux Color Matte. Uh, it's a sort of off fuchsia. We're going to be watching it dry, and I'm going to be talking about these screws while we do that. Uh, whispering about screws into the microphones. ASMR, the ASMR paint drying podcast in Australia for some reason. No, no, this is uh, this is this is nasal British anorak voice, uh, which is just British anorak voice, really. That um, yes, hello. That went half partridge as well. Uh, it is uh, ah the the paint drying channel, Lynn. It's very interesting. And as you, as you keep doing it, it just like slowly yeah. becomes of a joke. <laughs> you know how I got these screws. <laughs> this podcast is stupid as fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, it's YouTube. I say what it's like expect? drag it slowly deeper into stupidity. So, so I guess I'm wondering then with, uh, with regard to prioritizing watch time, um, it seems to me though that regardless of what it is that you're interested in the algorithm always seems to want to point you towards the most popular and they're typically the most insanely reactionary stuff i'm a i'm a youtube user for two reasons in the sense that number one i have of one of the shows that i produce we make a static image and we put the podcast audio and we put it on youtube because obviously like you'd like to hopefully have some of the 1.9 billion youtube yeah. users listening to your show um but additionally i use youtube for like figuring out how to do diy stuff so I might be looking at like screw channel, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be literally looking at like how to fix the door on like a Bosch washing machine or something like that. And then my suggested things would be like Ben Shapiro destroys SJWs with logic and logic washing machine. Yeah. Ben Shapiro puts nails in a washing machine and then says it's illogical. Like it, 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 it it's one of those things where it it feels as though no matter what you do, you're always being pushed towards. 
uh, you're, you're having these, these things dangled in front of you and they always seem to be reactionary. And there's a part of me that, that, I mean, outside of like the conspiracy theory idea of YouTube being in on it in that regard, it does seem that the, the, if it's suggesting that stuff to you, it's because it's popular. And if it's popular, it's because the people are engaging with right-wing things on YouTube more so than other content. And it just seems like no matter where you turn, you're, being, you're having this stuff kind of foisted on you. Yeah, we're all being red pilled. I mean, so Hussein did a story on on red pilling for for Mal, and yeah. I, my best friend, well, one of my best friends, I wouldn't call him my best friend. He that would give him too much credit. Um, he freely admits to being red pilled. He's like a Sargon of a card fan. He watches wow. him all the time, and he yeah. he kind of he, like I asked him. He he, I went for dinner with him a couple of days ago, and said like, "What the fuck, dude?" Basically, and he was like, "Well." Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I can unpick the racist bit from yeah, the yeah. kind of the important social discussion bit, and yeah. I yeah you know, I don't see the difference between that, but he yeah. does in a weird way. Mm. I, I kind of get that in the sense that when I talk to because a lot of my stories about YouTube come from like my young cousins, yeah, who are all like teenagers, and what's interesting about some of what's interesting about some of them is that they live in because I think like geography is like a really big part of this too, right? So like some of my cousins they live in kind of rural areas of the country where it's not particularly well connected Nothing there's really much going on as 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 you I, I, this this is the great thing about having like non-london people on the mm. show it's like what you guys like don't have so many trains um but for them like youtube is like this thing that you do it's like this pastime because there isn't really much else going on so you know, they've been going on, you know, they end up in these rabbit holes where, you know, the last time I saw one of my teenage cousins, he was like, you know, he just randomly said, I don't think the gender pay gap is real. I'm like, <sighs> it's a very strange thing for like a 16 year old boy to be saying. It's just like, yeah, mm. I saw it on these YouTube videos. You should watch them. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I don't think he's like malicious. I don't have, think he has any malicious intent, but like this stuff is kind of being sent to him, but it's being sent to him in a way that feels like it's authoritative and this is the really scary thing is that youtube as a platform makes a big deal of it as an educational platform so they they, they sort of crow about the fact they're like oh like one billion hours a day or something like that of educational yeah. content is watched on youtube and it's like that's great if it is actually educational and it is Learned factual so much about like skull measurements <laughs> oh, in yeah. inches and centimeters learn so much about the jewish conspiracy today it's going to be great for my history exam <laughs> i learned so much about the rothschilds <laughs> i feel i feel like though and i don't mean to interrupt but i just i wanted to address this it seems like the dimension though of that needs to be considered also is monetization. Mm. And I mean, Hussein hasn't asked that question yet, but I feel like that's something I want to touch on. Is that it's one thing if people, I mean, I, 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 I have similar like groups of friends, people who I've known from work who, uh, who live in more isolated parts of the country. And yeah, they, I've seen people go from relatively apolitical to like full on flat earther, you know, SJW mm. fucking Pepe the Frog shit in the span of about two years. Um, but the monetization thing is what freaks me out about it is because you can legitimately make a lot of money on YouTube or at least a relatively large amount of money mm. by making content that gets millions of views. And if, if racism gets people to pay attention, you're profiting off that. So they, so go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was going to ask, I know that they, they've changed it, yeah. but it seems like they only changed it in the face of like the sheer horror of what was happening. And this mm. is the thing. This is the thing. So YouTube, my theory is that like YouTube is inherently a reactive rather than a proactive company. And it's because it's so absolutely massive that it's basically sclerotic. Like it, it cannot function anymore. So mm. individual people inside of YouTube say, hey, shit, we are promoting racists. Isn't that a bad thing? But then as a 
group they have this like group think where they cannot get through this sort of barrier of like inherent conservatism small c and and actually do something about it so the perfect example is the weird conspiracy theory stuff in in january they said oh you know what actually it's probably not that great that we are promoting like flat earth conspiracy theories and things like that mm. to billions of people but they didn't take the stuff off the platform they they still have it on there you can still find it mm. they just mm. say they don't recommend it anymore and still actually i mean i get stuff like that recommended in my up next box so whether mm. or not they've done it does that not kind of strike you like do you remember when reddit decided that they weren't going to ban the, the subreddit yeah. called coontown they're like oh we're just not going to like allow it to be linked to the outside or something along those lines like you couldn't you couldn't link to it on the main page it was like a full-on white supremacist red pill like full nazi racism site and Regular. They, they were like we're we're sticking to this free speech absolutism and so while we don't recommend it and we don't like it we're still going to allow it and then overnight it became like the second largest white supremacist forum on the internet it, like the only second only just like to stormfront and it was just <laughs> reddit being like racism we sure don't recommend it <laughs> and, and and it's it's one of those things where like just just you'd be like well we, we're gonna we're gonna sort of publicly distance ourselves from it but mm. unless you aggressively go after the con- I mean, in the sense that like youtube couldn't make that argument about Oh well, we 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 don't recommend you watch ISIS beheading videos that are hosted on our platform. But they watch they, this Peppa Pig beheading video <laughs> instead. They 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 go after that stuff, and yet for some reason they won't draw the line with things that are similarly insane that lead to similarly not the same but similar consequences. But the the, the most screwed up thing that I have seen recently about YouTube is uh, Susan Wojcicki, who is their their sort of head honcho, did an interview. Um, with an Indian YouTuber for uh, their their equivalent of like TV upfronts, Brandcast India, mm-hmm. earlier this month, and she basically said, um, "We have stuff on our platform that is absolutely fine by the community guidelines, but we recognise might be harmful to society." And it's like, how do you mm-hmm. differentiate between those two things? How can it be okay that something is harmful to society, but it is okay by the rules of YouTube? So. I mean, they do it because it's it's ultimately it's a company I think that has for years realised they just want to keep people watching, and they haven't mm. actually fully grown up to the fact that they are society and they have an outsized impact on what yeah. we all think and do. We live in a society. I was going to say, like they yeah. thought they were just living in a society, which was that they are a society. <laughs> Shit, so, damn. I'm conscious that you don't have much time left, so I guess like one last question would be: We've only really touched the surface of kind of like YouTube's issues. Um, and also like what is in store. But I think with this, you know, now with like Sargon kind of being a mainstream figure and someone who's kind of like still living in the YouTube world, but existing in this kind of reality space, I guess the question is like, where, where does YouTube fit in kind of the broader context of like contemporary politics right now? Like, are we going to see more YouTubers or like more kind of people who build their platforms on YouTube kind of shifting into mainstream politics? And how, how's that going to like, affect the like affect discussion affect the discourse because we know on youtube you know what's surprising what's surprising is about like during the kind of past couple of days this is like the first time where i've heard the n-word so much on like mainstream Mm. tv that isn't in a newsroom Mm. yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) there isn't just like random editors uh Mm. not you know we might have to edit we might have to edit that out because that might be libel. um i think it's libel if you're not talking about anyone specific yeah but i like i We'll talk about this later. Um, You know, but this is the first time I've heard this kind of discussion that is so familiar on YouTube, but it's just like, I don't want to like listen to this guy like defend his use of the N-word again on YouTube. I'll go to another video. This is the first time where it's really crossed over. And I sort of wonder whether like other discussions 
which mm-hmm. are so native on YouTube that we kind of like shrug them off now. Are we yeah. going to see them becoming more mainstream? Yeah, I think so because it, it's such a it, it is itself mainstream, and also you know we had like Alexandra Ocasio Cortez is essentially the first like social media politician in that someone mm. tried to catch her out last year by being like, oh look, this person once participated in a YouTube video that got put up on Twitter, and people tried to be like, that's a gotcha moment, but it wasn't. And so you know the the next range mm. of politicians, as you said, Jake Paul may be present at some point. You know they are on YouTube right now, and it's their dialogue, their sort of attitude to things, their language is going to be increasingly mainstream as old people age out. The perfect example I always give for this thing is that the BBC have a thing called replenishers, which is what they are desperately trying to seek in terms of audiences. And that is literally just BBC speak for young people who will replace the old people who die in terms of people who listen and watch their programming. So as that happens and as we get this sort of replenishment and YouTube becoming the main media form, yeah, of course, Mm. it's going to change the dialogue in a, a kind of interesting but also potentially scary way. You're watching BBC Racism. <laughs> well, I, I thought I'm looking forward to Little Zan replacing David Attenborough. <laughs> Yo, with Planet Earth is fucking crazy, man. <laughs> I, I, like, I had like four blunts today. Like, that thing, that like whale is like looking at me weird, man. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, Milo, maybe weigh in on this too because something that you, you pointed out to me um, mm. was the extent to which uh, YouTube basically is popular TV in Russia. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like we we did a we did a spot video for a Russian client that was like a popular late night TV show, like a variety show in Russia. And there, where state TV, according to Milo, at least who lived there, fucking sucks. Uh, YouTube is sort of like the entertainment system. Like yeah, so they were like making like it had like TV money behind it. They were making basically like a late night American style TV show, but like just for YouTube. Yeah, and you have um, like Yuri Yuri Dodd, right? Who Yuri Dodd, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he like interviews. Um, opposition politicians and that's the only way that they can get their message out right and it's really rude to them yeah. <laughs> and it's like yeah Yuri Dude is a fucking shithead I cannot believe how popular he is he's like this dude who just started like I don't really understand exactly how he got popular because basically he just started interviewing well I understand how he got popular but I don't really understand like he just started interviewing famous people but he wasn't like I don't understand how he got access to them whether he was like <laughs> like tr- blagging his way into their office or something and then just like he does these like really like pedestrian interviews or like either that or he's just like really rude um and then he's like the biggest watched. It's like very odd. He did an interview with Ksenia Subchak during the Russian election where he basically called her like a stupid bitch. Um, and then she understandably got very annoyed and he's like, oh, why, are you, why are you so annoyed? And yeah. like, um, Triggered lives. Yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what basically Sargon's done, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm also looking at that picture of Sargon and he really looks like the villain from Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just, like, he just reminds me of like a substitute teacher that I used to have. Mm. It's like a guy who was like into rugby but never played. I, I, I listen. I don't want to be rude, but I've got to say, Hussein, you're the only person in this podcast who could probably dress up as Sargon of Akkad and get it. Like we could do a fake <laughs> Sargon of Akkad. You'd have to do a little bit with your hair. We'd have to do some stuff, but like take your glasses off. But if you wanted to, you could just. We could literally make you a stand, and you could do a fake Sargon of Akkad. Oh I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know how to like respond. Hussein to in that. white face. Hussein in white face with blue contacts in. I don't even. I don't even know how to respond to that. I mean, obviously, like he's heavier than you. Are, don't get me wrong, but like I'm. I'm just saying that. Y- he's got like the same height. Well, not the same. I, I, I think I'm taller than him. 
Ooh, but, really nice. but I feel like if we put you in an ill-fitting suit and with some yeah. padding inside it and yeah. put you in white face, you could be so sort like, of a god. Yeah, I, 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 I said, I, I, I did say the N-word, but I said the N-word because actually, like, it's a really logical term. And <laughs> actually, all of you are just too stupid to understand. But when I say the N-word, mm. I'm saying it in a way that actually defeats every other use of the N-word. And also, have you heard of this rapper called Kanye West? <laughs> if he's allowed to say it, why can't I say mm. it? I mean, I am like a 16th black. Kanye, the decline of Western society. Chris, I don't know if you had a, you had a bit about the Russian thing, though. You- yeah, so it's like something stupid like uh, four in five Russians aged 18 to 44 get their stuff from YouTube now. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's the Economist did some a story about it and I kind of shamelessly nicked it and quoted it in in my book. Mm-hmm. And it's it just shows the ridiculous reach yeah. of this platform. I remember mm-hmm. my friend my friend's partner is Russian and she's a bit younger than I am and like they're really broke but she pays for YouTube red regardless. She's like <laughs> can't miss it. She's Gonna like the it. only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. She probably has Google Plus too. Oh, can't miss can't miss <laughs> Can't miss the next the next uh, episode from the uh, Rasistki Canal. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so we can talk a lot more about YouTube. Uh, you should buy the book. Where can we yeah. buy the book from? You can buy it from YouTubersBook.com or Amazon or any good bookshop. Mm. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll as link well. to Thank it in the show notes. Promote that, yeah. No um, bad bookshops though. Don't go in those. Hmm? Yeah, no, no, we do not recommend bad bookshops. You know what? Actually, I think. Oh, can I say this? Maybe I can. I need to. We can say this, and then maybe I can think about it whether or not we want to take it out. But yeah. um, it's interesting. So Waterstones initially were like, "No, we don't want the book. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to stock it." Okay. And my publisher was like, "It's a book about YouTube. This is this has got billions of people." They're like, "Nah, nah, that's right." And then they eventually did. So, oh, okay. uh, fuck Waterstones. <laughs> yeah, fuck Waterstones. Okay, Yo, well, fuck we, Waterstones, we, man. That's the official position of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we be Waterstones. You're cancelled. Say you're thinking shit. I have a book out in a month, so yeah. I can't say that. Waterstones, don't let me catch you around Whitechapel. Fam. <laughs> I'm gonna sell yeah. my books out of like the back of a car. Yeah, so I don't know what you're. Yeah, about. exactly. <laughs> I'm going like old school. Uh, yeah, so buy the book. Um, it's really good. It's very sturdy. Very efficient. Mm. Break the spine because that is how you read a book. I yeah. don't care what people think. Just I'll break cry. it. Mm. Break, break it like your bane in the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> do the phrase. Do, mm. do 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 the words as you do it. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug? Are there any like things that are coming up? Uh, events? No, but you should all subscribe to uh, that coin scratching channel that I talked about. Oh before. yeah, because I mean, it's why wouldn't you? Morsey scratch cards. Yeah, mm. join, join before it becomes racist. Yeah. Like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> he scratches off the foil and there's just a gollywog behind it. I was going to say, if he gets to a million subscribers, he just does the whole thing in Joker makeup. <laughs> a heated scratch card moment. Also point out that uh, British Podcasting Awards, you can still vote for us until May 15th. So please, if you haven't yet voted for us for the Reader's or the Listener's Choice Award, mm. uh, vote for us. Also, uh, live shows May 30th, Star of Kings and King's Cross, mm. and 15th of June, Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Venue... Details to be determined, but we will yeah. be at Cambridge University. Yeah, no, fifteenth of June uh, is at um, Wolfson College in Cambridge, which uh, is yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's the Bruce List College. We'll have right? a ticket lamp. There'll be there'll be a ticket link in the description. Cool I'll get college. a ticket link up. Um, yeah. I have a book out on May the thirtieth. Uh, I've plugged it enough on my Twitter, so at H Kazvani, follow it. Um, yeah, baby, buy the book. I need to pay my wife's boyfriend. We're going to court soon. So. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> family court, family court. Um, yeah. Is that, is that? That's it. I think that's yeah, it. Right. Thanks. See you later, lads. Yep. Later. Hi, friends. Nate here. 
so the bonus ran a little bit short this week and I didn't want to leave you without a full solid hour of trash future content. So, uh, as you know, I run another show called what a hell of a way to die. It is a leftist military and veterans podcast. And this week I spoke with Riley about the militarist and fascist elements of everyone's favorite, weird, insane tabletop game, Warhammer 40k, something that I did not know anything about. So I will link to that full episode in the description. But the following is about a 15-minute segment from that episode where you can hear me and Riley just completely nerding out. Hope you enjoy. Please give it a listen if it sounds interesting to you. And thanks so much again for being a subscriber. It's only fair that we can libel President Trump because then he has to prove himself in court that he's not the emperor from Warhammer 40k. (laughs) And I want to see that trial. But also, I mean, like, hey, it's a small price to pay for for being able to do unlimited crimes because the Constitution is amazing. Yeah. Well, look, so anyway, um, the... uh so with, with with his relate hit the relationship of like of Trump to the image of the God Emperor is I think it's it's complicated much like many of these things are when you dive below the surface and profoundly stupid as well um <laughs> like so many things we talk about indeed so like um on the one hand there like the the way that the that the God Emperor is portrayed is a giant with a halo in a golden suit of armor carrying a flaming sword. I think that really resonates with a, a that's fucking badass. I was going to say a yeah. sword that's always on fire is yeah, cool as shit. A sword that's constantly on fire and is the powers of a demigod. And I mean, I think the the and then the idea of the idea of Trump as crusading hero is one that really resonates with these people because they have brains full of pudding. Um and it's kind of funny having a doddering old fat guy being portrayed as an 8-foot tall demigod. Like that's just still kind of amusing. Well, yeah, too. And I, I, I guess when I look at it, I think about online fandom culture and the, the sort of the thrill of getting the joke, the thrill of being in on the joke. And if you were, you see something like if, if we see a meme about Trump making fun of Trump or some shit that, that speaks to our... Left, I report it to the police. Left, exactly. I, I, I say it's fake news and I report it to prevent yeah. Um, I respond with the picture of Trump as the God Emperor, but mostly because I like the pauldrons. <laughs> well, I guess my, my my take is that it seems it makes sense that there's a thrill of recognition that comes from getting a joke, and that if you're somebody who's like a right winger online, just in the same vein as when I see a leftist meme that makes reference to a pop culture thing that I know, which gets lesser and lesser as time goes on because I'm I'm old. Uh, I can imagine it's the same sort of thing amongst these online communities of of reactionaries. That it's not necessarily that they they they're looking at it and saying, "Oh yeah, tr- Trump absolutely does correspond to the Warhammer universe." It's just a cool joke, and mm. that it's shit that they're into. Yeah, it's also like I said, it's funny. So, do you think that board games, tabletop games, uh, that kind of fantasy online or fantasy community uh, in general is prone to this kind of? reaction oh, this kind of that's sentiment a big question with a lot of answers because i think about um, video games that i i mean I, I i don't think that 20 years ago 25 years ago when i was really into video games um i was a kid but even as a teenager i would have predicted that the the really you didn't see the fascist themes in pong i'm not that old <laughs> no i didn't see the fascist themes in final fantasy 7 i was just too too busy crying that eris died yeah. uh no the, the thing is i i didn't see um the idea that once you got to the point where gamers could communicate as easily as they as they do today, that it would go so hard misogynistic. But then I imagine my wife, who was like one of her exes, played Warhammer. She probably wouldn't be surprised by it. Well, the weird, okay, the thing about, and I say this as someone who is a member of several um, 
nerd subcultures. Uh, well, member, I'm affiliated. <laughs> I'm interested. Um, I is is that a curatorial subculture? Because that's what these are. They're curatorial. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're based around um, co- constructing your identity about stuff you receive from a set of designated producers, whether that's Games Workshop or Wizards of the Coast or Ubisoft or what the fuck ever. That is your identity is based around a mix of 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 consuming those things, and I think a curator it's I think curatorial um, subcultures are probably easy to turn reactionary because ultimately they want to defend production. Well, they're also kind of into gatekeeping, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Like there's a sort of true fandom kind of gatekeeping and the, the desire to like, you know, oh, you think you're actually a, a Squaresoft fan? Well, name three of their best games. That that dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. Things along those lines where... And, that, and it seems to me that gets weaponized. I remember this from music fandom, like being on like Radiohead message boards in the early 2000s, the way that people would, would be like, oh, a girl likes Radiohead? Well, she doesn't actually fucking know anything about that band. It's like, mm. why, why, why... Would a girl not know anything about Radiohead? Why would a girl not know anything about death metal? Like, yeah. it's a dumb thing, but people get get really spun up about it. You could see the sort of neckbeard clouds forming on the horizon, and it, it, to me, I just think I think something that's uh, that for better or worse is incredibly gendered male, like yeah. these sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that would make sense that you put people like that together. You put a sort of gatekeeping instinct. You put the sort of onlineness of everything about our daily lives now. And then you put a kind of polarizing, I don't know, the, the thrill, of, even if it's dumb and it's not true, even if you're imagining it, the, the imaginary sensation that you can just create this meme that's going to trigger all the libs. Like hmm. you could see how it, it, it could kind of proliferate. And it worked. That's why he's president now is because of that picture all, of him as the emperor. Yeah. All the libs got triggered. The libs I mean, got exactly. triggered. I was triggered the, so hard. The libs got triggered and all got up and ran screaming out of their uh, various restaurants. It was worse than that time someone said Breitbart. I know, right? And you know what? Now we don't have to worry about any problems with like people being unemployed in America because in order to no. keep Donald Trump alive, 10,000 of us have to be sacrificed every yeah. day. 10,000 10, gamers have to be sacrificed in the Astronomican Choir to make sure that, you know, um, whatever Trump did catch at that boat orgy doesn't finish consuming. <laughs> Consuming his brain. Um, no, but it's. I think, the, I think that's basically right. And earlier when I said, yeah, you didn't see the fascist overtones in Pong. I mean, you can actually kind of, you can kind of see it. Yeah. It's a, it is because it's a product that demands your total absorption in it. And it does, and you know, maybe, may yes, there is no, there, it's not like when you win at Pong, it creates a swastika. Yeah. But it creates that, it, it creates that, abs- that sort of one way absorption. In in a piece of media that is based that is being produced as part of the superstructure, well, so you can you can and then relating with one another about wanting to defend the media that you're all absorbed in, you can see how that creates a core around capital, basically that a bunch of workers then rally around and defend as part of some false consciousness based identity. Like yeah, these things are essentially reactionary if you're not careful about it, even if they don't have overtly reactionary themes. And Warhammer Forty Thousand, if nothing else, has in incredibly reactionary well, I was gonna say, that's the thing is it sort of is it okay so we were talking about this uh, francis did a bonus episode with uh uh brock wilbur uh talking about the police quest series i don't know if you're familiar with those games but they're from the, the 80s and 90s um i'm shaking I played, my head now i played the police quest games when i played um open season which i think was police quest 4 on pc like this was basically pre these were like click on an object games you know what i mean where you have like mouse cursor you click on things 
But one of the points they raised about uh, about the Police Quest games was that there was a weird reactionary sentiment in that you if you strayed from the manual, if you strayed from like what the cop is, what cop is supposed to do, you always died. Like if you forget, if you didn't do a, like a four point check on your car, every time you entered it, like you'd get in a car wreck and you'd die. Like all these things would happen to you. And it created this idea that, that the universe was so constrained that you could, you could only ever obey the, obeying the rules to the letter at all times was the only way you could stay alive, which while not necessarily fascist in the sense of sort of a power structure, is definitely a very authoritarian way of yeah, looking at the world. Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, it, when you think about what what fascism is, is it is it, it's the retreat. I mean, it's been defined as a lot of things, but it is the enfor- the enforcement of order at any cost. Yeah, and and order tends to be conflated with some a combination of some dr- some cartoon colored um dream of a you know britain past or whatever where people said hi and you could leave your door unlocked and you weren't frightened of the new neighbors or whatever and and it pairs that with fear of of progress with fear of the other with fear of change etc cetera, etc cetera. so a store a, a game in which um you play a police officer who's constantly about to get shot if he doesn't follow every rule to the letter is 90% fascist. It would only be 10% more fascist if you knew which rule you had to break. Yeah, and I will I like that point. And I guess the reason why I brought up Police Quest was because if you dig at it, if you if you scrape below the surface, then you can start to see the authoritarian nature of it. That it's not just the police are authoritarian because they they are they 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 enforce property rights, but more so that the game itself, the way that the game constructs this, this sort of simulated universe is incredibly authoritarian, but that still requires a little bit of digging. Whereas mm. when you describe Warhammer to me, like it just seems like like exploding cartoon fascism all the time. Yeah, but here's the thing: it's one of these things where it doesn't necessarily have to be. I think Warhammer Forty Thousand is very is one of the reasons I like it is it's just so weird and complex and strange, and it's not complex because it's like been written with these very three like three dimensionally layered characters who are quite human or whatever. No, it's complex because a lot of people have been one upping each other for decades. Yeah. it's more it's more complicated than complex. It's like in the but, military, but, it's 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 yeah. funny when somebody draws a dick in the latrine in like a portageon, but if someone draws an entire floor to ceiling dick or like a dick that like you just see a zoom in picture of it because the entire portage on every surface is some aspect of that dick that's a work of art that you have yeah. one up to people so in this case it's like that but the portage on is um a tomb that if you're almost killed as a space marine you are you are put in kept alive for further millennia and then mounted onto a gigantic walker with um a flamethrower and a crushing arm uh, called a dreadnought and in eternal undeath, you do your chapter its greatest possible honor. It's well, like that. Yeah, it's normal, <laughs> normal things like that. But here's the thing. The, re- the reason why I sort of waffle back and forth on whether Warhammer 40K is, uh, is, a, reaction- is a reactionary bit of storytelling is this. I think it is, it's not necessarily a parody, but it knows it's incredibly over the top. Yeah. Because that's the, th- that's the other thing about, remember about Warhammer 40K. It's stupid as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it for sure. But it's really, really fun. But yeah. the thing is, the, the, we don't actually have a lot of media that is just stupid as fuck anymore. We don't really tend to make it. Things are self-aware, they're parody, they're dumb on purpose or whatever. 40K is like this relic of a previous era where you could just have pulpy fiction because it's fun. 
like all the original like Dick Tracy novels or whatever. Yeah, they weren't make necessarily making a larger political point. They weren't supposed to be like enjoyable for their kitsch value. They were just written because they were fun that way. I used to when I was stationed in Honduras, the library on post had a lot of just like donated books, and they're all the books that nobody wanted in America that were like send disease to soldiers, and it's like bad eighty sci fi novels about like the landing party, and like they're gonna go, you know, it's like the space marines going to kick lizard ass or some shit like that, and you you realize yeah, that a lot of that happens in forty k. There's been especially when you go, these were books probably from the seventies and eighties. They're all basically like pulp genre fiction, mm. and that stuff wasn't exactly held up to like the fucking Nobel Prize standards. And as a result, like if you actually, if that stuff had, if that was all part of one big series, if that was part of one big encompassing universe, then you could analyze it the way that this, because I guess for Warhammer, for the games like this, the fact that all of the lore and all of the backstories, all the novels, et cetera, are all tied to one thing, Mm. you can look at it in totality and be like, wow, this is really fucking weird. Whereas it's harder to see the immediate links between weird pulp storytelling if it's one author versus another different yeah. countries different genres etc bad fantasy versus bad sci-fi versus bad westerns you know that kind mm. of a thing bad sci-fi fantasy westerns <laughs> can only imagine fantasy future acts that kind of shit yeah that's just, that's just some joss whedon ass shit <laughs> um well look i think the thing to the thing to remember is that this is one of those things where it, it it can be. I think there's nothing. I don't think there is actually anything essentially reactionary about the Warhammer universe, mm-hmm. except its curatorial nature. The curatorial nature of its fandom. The fact that by being incredibly complex and let's be honest, deeply unpleasant, um, I think it is. It, it is an example of a thing that can be used by the worst elements of its fandom to be a bit of an in-group signal of. Yeah, no girls would like this, etc. Sure. Which might be true, but I mean, it's I mean, not true. There are girls. I'm who sure. Like I'm sure there's there's plenty there of tons. Of, fans. I'm sure there are tons of girls who like Warhammer. If you're a girl who likes Warhammer, uh, sound off in the comments. DM Riley. Oh wait, don't do no, that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Please don't do that. 